Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey, everyone. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. And today on The Breakdown, we have a man who grew up under the tutelage of one of the nation's pioneers in political consulting, his father. Now, Dane Strother has gone on to build a successful media consulting company that just helped Democrats secure a coveted Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin. We're going to bring you our conversation with Strother. He says he's never not had a stressful election night, even as a kid. And we'll talk to him about his colorful family history, what he sees ahead in 2024, and why he believes Governor Gavin Newsom has what it takes to get to the White House. Scott? Ego and ambition. (laughs) And money. And other things. But Strother, yeah, he's he's made this case that he can play well in the South. We'll have to leave that to future yeah. the future to see. But you know, first Scott, we did we mentioned this last week. Uh Senator Diane Feinstein did come back to Washington. Um and I, I think it, there's a big New York Times uh, story that came out Thursday um talking about her sort of medical situation. And I think the lead really sums it up that she really appeared shockingly diminished when she arrived. And they've uncovered some, you know, new information about exactly how bad this shingles complications has been and kind of what it's doing. Yeah, exactly. She has basically what's what you could call long shingles, whereas, you know, she got over the initial infection, but there are a lot of very serious lingering effects. Uh, and part of it is due to what the New York Times uh, reported on Thursday as encephalitis, swelling of her brain, which is a rare, but it can be a side effect of shingles. And people noticed when she stepped out of the car into the wheelchair when she first got to the Capitol last week that her face was slightly drooped, her eye was slightly closed on the left side. And and this is now uh, revealed to be the cause of that. And it's just, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. And I think it's only going to increase calls for her to step aside. But, you know, as we've seen, she doesn't seem very receptive to that idea. No, absolutely. I mean, she had a kind of strange interaction with an L.A. Times reporter in which he asked her kind of what she would say, you know, to colleagues who have been calling for her to come back. And she said, I've been here the whole time. I don't know what you mean. Appeared confused. And then there's also been reporting about... um, the kind of Pelosi family involvement and all of this. One of Pelosi's daughters has been 
really helping, I think, uh, Senator Feinstein both at home and then escorted her to Washington, has been in the Capitol with her. I think, you know, they do have a very long relationship, right? These are two families that have been involved in, in politics in San Francisco for a long time. But there's questions about. Yeah, I mean, there's know, a that. little maybe perhaps I don't want to say a conflict of interest, but of course, uh, her mom, Nancy Pelosi, the former speaker, has endorsed Adam Schiff for the U.S. Senate. And of course, if. Dianne Feinstein, one way or the other, were to leave the job early, it would fall to Governor Newsom to name an appointment uh, to fill that seat. He promised to appoint a black woman, which Adam Schiff is not. <laughs> and News to so, Adam, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's, there that does raise questions like, uh, is there a little, uh, you know, are they trying to keep her in that job, you know, until the election in 2024 to avoid, you know, giving someone, say, Barbara Lee, a, you know, some something of a leg up in that election? Yeah, I don't know. That feels a little, a little Machiavellian, a little Machiavellian yeah. to me. And, I mean, I, yeah. and again, like also they have, you know, their neighbors in San Francisco. These right. are, you know, these are families that have been interconnected for a very long time. Well, and someone she's comfortable with, the right. senator, you know. And, you know, yeah, her husband passed away just last year, I believe, a year or two ago. Um but yeah, I think that, you know, this drumbeat continues to grow questions about her ability to do the job, how much her staff is doing. And I think what we're seeing now, you know, are real questions about just that, like the stamina it takes to be in this job, to do it every day, um, to make the hard policy decisions and to be a player. I mean, it really does seem like the largest state in the nation is missing out on representation. It is. And we have got almost 40 million people here. We only have two senators, just like Wyoming. And, uh, you know, one of them is Alex Padilla. And then, yeah, you've got to wonder. I mean, Feinstein's also had a lot of turnover in her staff. Her chief of staff left uh, uh, just within the last couple of months. She also had a, her press secretary passed away. Uh, so just a lot of change in a very important job. And you do have to wonder, aside from, you know, voting yes when she has to do that to get judges uh, to the Senate floor or, you know, Biden's uh, nominees for one thing or another, how much can she really do? I mean, right. because it's got to be exhausting as well. Yeah. And she and her office have put out very kind of strong statements saying everything's fine. But, you know, the minute she came it's back, not. they were able to pass yeah. multiple judges. So, yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Democratic political consultant Dane Strother. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. 
Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer. And today we are excited to welcome Democratic political consultant Dane Strother to the show. Hot off a big win in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. He's something of political royalty, the son of a legendary Democratic operative. And he recently moved at least part time to Sacramento. Dane Strother, welcome to Political Breakdown. Thank you very much. And thanks for the kind words about my father. Well, we want to get to him and his legacy, too. But you've spent about three decades in Washington, D.C., doing races all over. In 2019, you decided to come to Sacramento. Why California? Why now-ish? So, uh, for the record, I don't live here. I, I, I come through and do some work, uh, Mr. Taxman. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, look, uh, the one thing my, my consultant friends in California tell me, the only thing they agree on is keeping the East Coast guys out, right? And I tried to break in quite a few times unsuccessfully. When my youngest son went off to college, I had the freedom to spend more time here. And why? The same reason California, anyone came to California in the beginning. There's gold here. The fourth or fifth largest economy in the world is governed in six square blocks, and we're currently sitting there. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm not doing candidates here other than IEs. Uh, I'm here to do ballot measures. Cool. Well, let's talk about your dad, Ray, uh, who was really a pioneer in the, in the world of political consulting. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and what was it like growing up in a home that was, you know, filled with politics? Yeah, it's uh, I'd like... Uh, I've sweat election day my entire life. Right? <laughs> we, we hear that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. And uh, no, dad was a pioneer. He helped invent modern political consulting, had an ad agency in the 60s and 70s in Louisiana and did Louisiana politicians, uh, Edwin Edwards, uh, et cetera. And then Russell Long, uh, Huey Long's son, uh, was in trouble in 1980 on reelect because it was the Reagan year. Right. Mm-hmm. And dad did Russell Long's race in 1980. Long wins. He walks him across to his friend Lloyd Benson, John Stennis, Sam Nunn and said, this is Ray Strother, he's doing something different, and off it went from there. Uh, I mean, he's really credited with understanding how to craft messages that moved voters. Is that something you saw as a kid? Like, could he move you to do your chores with his messages? (laughs) Uh, He didn't have to move me, he told me. uh, (laughs) No, my father was was raised very blue-collar. His father had a fourth-grade education. Uh, Dad uh, went to college because he ran track, otherwise he'd never have made it. And he understood... He understood talking to real people in, in real ways and in breaking things down and not speaking down to people. And that's the problem with my industry often is we speak down to people and that's people don't take that well. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, he was a master communicator, a master writer. And uh, we just lost him in October. Uh, it was uh, terrible, hard loss. Um, but, yeah, I, what have I learned from him? Everything. Yeah. Right? You know, I. Uh, I was a reporter for a number of years, and in 1987, uh, I was in New Hampshire. They, uh, the editor called me and said, do you know Ray Strother? I said, yeah. He said, is that the guy running Gary Hart's campaign? I said, yes. He said, well, you can't cover politics. And so I did school board for a couple of weeks, and that was enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to cover politics. Yeah, that's, that's all I cared to do. That's, I was in New Hampshire. My goal was Lawrence Eagle Tribune, uh, Hartford Current, Washington Post. Right? Yeah. That was my goal. So your dad worked on some uh, with some iconic candidates, uh, I think, including uh, hel- helping Bill Clinton get elected in Arkansas. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, dad did Clinton. Uh, so Clinton ran for governor uh, and won, and then he lost. And he, dad and Dick Morris, uh, who's infamous, uh, did uh, did the re- did the comeback. Dad was with Clinton uh, for years, and then he got to fight with Hillary in 1990. What happened? Uh, what was that over? Yeah. Because she wanted to run for governor, and Dad encouraged Bill to run one more time and run for president from the governorship, and uh, and they ran a poll that showed that it was the right thing to do, and uh, the rest is history. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So I think your dad had some journalism interests too, and he was on. You're on a college journalism board. Do you feel like political consulting has something in common with what we do? 
Oh, without question. Yes. Uh, dad was an AP reporter. Out of, out of, you know, and, and he was the editor of the LSU student Reveille, the student paper. I was the editor of the student paper. Uh, yes. Journalism is taking complicated issues and explaining to someone simply, right? So that's what the lead is. That's the 35 words. And I have 75 words to explain something in 30 seconds. And so the same thing. We're trying to boil it down into a very germane uh, explanation. Yeah. You, uh, of course, grew up, I think, in Louisiana. I did, yes. And uh, must know James Carville. Uh, James worked for my father growing up. James used to eat my uh, uh, cereal when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular flavor, just whatever was available? <laughs> James didn't care. What was he, he has, you know, ha- certainly has an image that we have all seen on CNN and elsewhere. Uh, what do you remember about him? Oh, I, I was I see James all the time. Um, it's uh, my father tells stories that people used to fight about who had to sit next to James at dinner. Now people pay twenty five thousand dollars to do it. <laughs> Why didn't they want to sit next to him? Because uh, uh, James is a little nutty. Uh, he's he's um, J- James is James. Uh, uh, quick story: James was running a Shreveport marriage race, and I was in high school, and I had to shuttle some stuff up to Shreveport. For, uh, my father was doing the race, uh, and I spent the night with James. And uh, he, I was I don't know sixteen, and he immediately started. We started drinking beer, and uh, he said, "Grab a political almanac," and I did. And he said, "Name any college in America," and I would. And he would give me the mascot and the team colors. Any college in America. <laughs> just like that's, how, that's how James is. Not that useful. <laughs> yeah, that's not no, useful at all. But it's telling. And then, you know, James didn't win a race until he was 40 years old. Um, and he won Zell Miller in Georgia. And Miller then sent him over to Bill Clinton. Hmm. Wow. All right. Well, before we move into more recent stuff, I am curious, like, when your editor gave you the ultimatum and you realized you couldn't stay in journalism without the politics, was your dad happy to welcome you to the family biz? Had he tried to kind of deter you from it? Uh, good question. He, he would not have me directly out of college, but I wanted to be a reporter anyway. Uh, was he happy? Uh, you know how you get your tax records every year and everything you've ever made? He paid me $24,000 a year for three years in a row. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, yeah, he's happy at very cheap labor. <laughs> Child labor. Child, Child labor, <laughs> basically, yes, exactly. You uh, have taken on over the years some complicated policy issues and helped explain them through commercials to people, uh, like managed health care. Here in California, you did, I think, Prop 19, was it? Correct, for the uh, realtors. Which had to do with property tax. Very complicated, and yet we you don't boiled need to get it into down. It, yeah. We don't need to get But, you know, you had firefighters talking and seniors talking. So, you know, what's the secret sauce? Hats off to you guys on your research. Uh, the uh, uh, the secret sauce is just that. It's it's explaining something in a way that affects real people in real ways, right? Uh, if you're running for office, elect me because of X. And that X has to mean something to the real voter. And uh, and that's 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 what we do. It's, you, know, you should support our candidate or our cause because it will improve your life in this way. What about the flip side of that, which is you kind of... And it's not a, not an attack on you or the industry, but you you have to dumb it down. You got thirty seconds. I mean, and you leave a lot out about what the ballot measure is actually about. Yeah, we, we, to your point, we have thirty seconds, right? And that's seventy five words. And uh, look, it's we run polls. We we determine the best way to explain this in such a way that people grasp it and support it. Uh, do we leave a self, lot of stuff out? Absolutely. There's no way not to. It's yeah. no apologies. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? How do you pick a campaign or a candidate? I mean, you've worked for a lot of moderate Democrats, Al Gore, Bill Clinton. Um, uh, is it 
do you look at somebody's sort of political leanings within the Democratic Party? Is there anyone you wouldn't work with? Like, how do you approach that? No. So I, I believe that the Democratic Party tent should be very broad. And so, for example, I, I did work with Henry Cuellar in South Texas, mm-hmm. who's the most conservative Democrat elected. He's uh, anti-choice, pro-gun, et cetera, et cetera. Henry and I probably don't agree on three things. But he voted for Nancy Pelosi to be speaker, and that's the key. And uh, I worked for U.S. Senator Blanche Lincoln in Arkansas, a very moderate Democrat who supported Walmart in a time that wasn't easy to do, but she voted for Harry Reid to be leader. Hmm. So uh, to your question, there are issues out, and I won't work for tobacco, et cetera. Mm. But as long as you're a Democrat and reasonable uh, human being, yeah, I'll work for you. Would you work for Kirsten Sinema? Uh She's not a Democrat. Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I wonder what your thoughts are. You, you, and you know, I think your dad too, kind of helped pioneer uh, the use of technology, especially you, uh, the use of electronic fencing and getting a hold of people's cell phones through Wi-Fi and so on to get to them with messages. Uh, what are your thoughts about AI? We just saw the RNC run an ad against Biden that was computer generated, made right. him saying things he didn't really say. Although I don't even know if they needed AI in that So, So I'm very proud. Uh, this AAPC, this conference we were just at, uh, and uh, uh, for the fourth year in a row, my firm won best use of AI. So uh, there, you know, AI... What was it? What'd you win for? Uh, it, it, overall use of AI. So it, we don't use a so chat GBT, right? I've been messing with it just to see. I, I had it right an ode to the opening day of baseball. Did a damn darn good job, right? Sorry. Uh, the, um, Sorry it's, um, it's not on the FCC list. Okay. <laughs> George Carlin. The, um, uh, but then I said write a 75-word reelect for, for Joe Biden, and it's not there, right? It's not there. So we're not using it for language. We're using it digitally for placement. Uh, where on the page should something be? What color should the background be? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's the size of the ad? And it's improving itself constantly so that we're getting down to the absolute sweet spot. Are you going to be put out of a job eventually? Uh, I hope to quit before then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like, I don't know, there should be um, transparency if AI is being used? Or like, like, should there be any guardrails around this when we talk about specifically politics and you know elections where we're seeing a lot of questions about the truth that candidates are telling already or, you know, the sort of state of our democracy right now. No, look, AI is horrifying, right? I mean, it, it's, we're still, we're just now figuring this out, right? But to the degree that someone, and I, yes, the short answer is yes, you should be able to put on, muscle on the screen generated by AI, mm. right? Otherwise, I could put your image on the screen and have you say anything I wanted you to say. Right. And no one knows, look, fact and fiction are becoming more and more difficult uh, to discern anyway. We have Trump, et cetera attacking constantly fact and so it's 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 scary it's frightening i don't know where it goes from here but it will be used for evil you uh were involved heavily in some very important elections in wisconsin um and one of them was the 2022 re-election of the governor tony evers who defied the odds there and and won another uh term you know what were your takeaways from that but and what were your takeaways in 2016 you know and 20 when trump won and then lost wisconsin yeah, so uh, full shout-out to my business partner, Ben Knuckles, who lives in Wisconsin and runs lead on these things, right? But clearly I was involved. It's my firm. Um, but we beat Scott Walker, and I was proud to beat Scott Walker. And we beat Scott Walker with a school teacher. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Evers did not want to be governor. He, he, he was education. It's too between education. And he was appalled at the cuts of education and decided he had to try it. We beat Scott Walker, who was slick and pretty and all these things, with a guy who's all the opposite of those things because because he's more real. Mm. Yeah, the authenticity. Authenticity, absolutely. 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Scott Schaefer. Today we're talking with longtime Democratic consultant Dane Strother. And we are talking now about Wisconsin, which is, as we were saying before we came on air, probably the most evenly split from between Republicans and Democrat state in the nation, right? And yet Democrats have had some big victories there. We were just talking about Governor Evers. Um what did you guys learn from that reelection that you then applied to this huge Supreme Court race that you just helped win there? That lo- local matters. Uh, uh, ben did uh, with AI more than two thousand ads overall, and we would in the br- one governor's race. In, in, in yes, wow. But it was two thousand. Yeah, but but that that's a little misleading. So let me clarify, please. It was actually six. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we we did. So let's just go old school television. We did television ads, different television ads in every media market. We've been doing that for years in Texas and Florida, et cetera, right? But with digital now, we can drill down to neighborhoods and. And so we were doing ads digitally and otherwise uh, for s- small towns. And, you know, here in X, you know, we, this matters to us. Uh, and that focus on detail and trying to connect with people on their local neighborhood level made a difference. Wow. Well, there was this, the judge's race uh, who had a very hard to pronounce name, Judge Janet Protasewitz, which you made fun of in, in an ad. Uh, tell <laughs> yeah. us about that. Yeah, it's, uh, well, just, just that, right? By, by making fun of, we've done this before, right? We've done that for 20 years. By making fun of a name, you teach people how to say it, and it's a little more uh, um, welcoming. Uh, that was a big race. Yeah, Wisconsin is the most uh, evenly split state in the country, yet it's perhaps the most gerrymandered state in the country, whereby it's 50 50 DNR. Uh, even it's they have, the Republicans have a supermajority in the House and the Senate. Uh, so with this new Supreme Court race, when we uh, the left uh, has four votes, the right has three. So hopefully we can rectify some of these wrongs. Well, tell us how you guys won that, because I know abortion was huge and we could talk about that. But I was really interested that in this state, you also went after uh, the judge's opponent, Dan Kelly, on things like public safety. And this is like an area we've really seen Democrats struggle with. Right. And the Republican Party lean into. So how do you decide to lean into that? And then how do you message that in a way that actually helps a candidate? So, look, if, if you're a student of politics and, can, uh, and uh, in campaigns, um, you learn from other people in other states. And so uh, the, the governor of New York, Hochul, did not address public safety. Now, she won closely in a very democratic state, but we lost four congressional We Whenever I say we, I mean Democrats. We lost four congressional seats that we should not have won because they did not, uh, they did not address public safety. We learned from the Republicans who are very good. I mean, my my, uh, my Republican operative friends are very good. Uh, attack an opponent's strength, right? Don't don't seed them that. Make them make them discuss that, and that's what we did. Hmm. And how did you do that with the judge? Uh, um, we 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 found two or three things that this fellow said that uh, were of concern, like like. Uh, defund DOJ, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's, uh, the, look, defund the police was the worst political slogan in history uh, ever. Uh, and I was, I was actually in the New York Times a couple of years ago, and I said, look, two cycles ago, our closing argument, which bathroom you could use. Uh, last, then the following cycle is defund the police. I'm surprised there are any Democrats elected. 
But we've learned from we've learned lessons from that. So what can Democrats take from that to the next elections? Because you're in California here. There's a lot of pushback around public safety questions. You know, this is something our governor faces, local mayors and everybody. What would your message be? Give them some free advice. (laughs) Well, look, any poll in California right now, homelessness is number one by far. It it doesn't really matter where you are. (laughs) And uh, and and I think the governor here is is. I think the most one, one, perhaps the most adroit politician in America right now. He gets it, and these care courts. I don't know if the care courts are going to work or not, but when I see a policy, I think thirty second ad, and that'll be a great thirty second ad. He's tackling this issue. Will it work? We don't know, but he's trying. Mm. Uh, public safety as well. When the governor allows the national guard to work with a local police force. If that were a Republican governor, we'd be we'd be marching in the streets. They're, you know, they're militarizing our police force. But coming from the left, it you know Nixon going to China, right? It it works. That's another great seventy-five word, thirty-second television ad. Do you think he could play though in a place like Ohio? Yes, Michigan, Ab- Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Yes. Why? Because he's good. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything any Ronald Reagan did. Let's start there, right? So there's no such thing as too slick, right? Uh, he understands how to communicate, uh, and he addresses issues in a way that that people understand. I don't you know, look. California's the boogeyman. Everybody loves to hate California. Right. That's for whatever, why we're asking whatever. this because yeah. it feels well, well, yeah. you know, Nixon, Reagan. I mean, this this has happened. This has happened before. And uh, look, he, Gavin just did a, a swing through the South. I think that's that's smart. And the red states and, and listen to people. Uh, that's another thirty, another thirty second ad. Yes, I absolutely believe he he could do well elsewhere. What the, about that though? There's that sort of sense of both him and California. You know, these elite Harris coastal, too, yeah. yeah, these elite coastal people talking down to us. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, majority of America lives on the coast, right? One or the left or the right. But that's uh, not necessarily where the presidential elections. No, without question, it's not. <laughs> no, you're, you're right about that. But first, you have to get the nomination, and once you get the nomination, it's a jump ball uh, with with anyone, right? So, I, I understand what you're saying, um, but I think this guy can can transcend that. Well, before he does, there's a few other things that have to happen because he's promised he's not going to challenge Joe Biden. Correct. Do you see a Biden-Trump rematch as inevitable for us to start? You know, one thing we learned in the business is the only thing that's wrong is conventional wisdom. And so I don't know. It's impossible to say. Is Trump, Trump Trump will be dominated, indicted, right? It doesn't matter. Right. Um, you think for sure he will be dominated? Uh, I. I have friends who disagree. I don't see how you stop Trump at this point. I, mean, I, just, I don't see how you stop him. Maybe he stops himself. Look, he, he and Biden are old men. Anything could happen, right? Right. Uh, so this far out, it's impossible to say. Look, no one's running against Biden. So as long as he stays alive, he's going to be the nominee. Don't yeah. tell Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, <laughs> so what about Kamala Harris? I mean, she, of course, we know her well. We've covered her for 20 years when, since when she was DA here. Shh, in, Scott, don't date us. Uh, sorry. Well, you were in, you were in elementary school. No, but, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, you know, so I think when you, and same with Newsom, you know, we covered him as mayor. So we have a different take. How She gets a lot of negative press. How much of that is undeserved, do you think? And is she a, would she be a viable top-of-the-ticket yeah. person? So there's something interesting going on right now. The, the Biden campaign is, is uh, repolishing her image, and they're doing it for a couple of reasons. One, it would not surprise me at all if the Republican message was, if he dies, she runs the country, 
or when he dies, he, she runs. You know, they're, they're rough, right? She runs the country. And so she, I think the focus on her will be larger than normal as it relates to a, a vice presidential candidate. Uh, they they gave her a portfolio that was impossible to, to yeah. succeed at. I mean, it's it's and uh, immigration and voting rights. Yeah, it wasn't fair to wasn't fair to her. But you think she has the same it factor as Newsom? I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that. As yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I mean, I feel like to Scott's earlier point, a lot of presidential politics, you know really boils down to a handful of states. And we've seen a lot of shifting in the last few cycles, right? Florida and Ohio, pretty red now. Uh, Arizona, Georgia, pretty purple. Wisconsin, we've already discussed. Like, where do you see the next two years when we talk about, yeah, the presidential race? Where where does the rubber meet the road? What are the states you'll be watching and wanting to work in the most? So it's 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 interesting, and I can't name the counties, but I've we've I've read this many times. There are like ten counties in America right. that decide the presidency, right? Uh, Ohio is going to end up being a very important state, one way or the other. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, uh, we're, we're short on time, but uh, we have a Senate race here. Senator Feinstein, one way or the other, will not be in the U.S. Senate, and sooner or later. Uh, how do you see that race? And uh, you know, and yeah, I'll just leave it at that. How do you see that race? Uh, I don't, right? I, uh, it's it's too early to figure it out, right? The establishment's behind shift at some point, uh, but uh, but uh, we'll 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 see. It's 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 too early for me to guess. I need to see fundraising totals. I need to see if Barbara Lee can put together the money. I need to see if Emily's list comes in heavily mm. for her. Uh, there there are too many uh, unknowns and variables currently to to figure to figure this out. Also, if if uh, Senator Feinstein doesn't go the distance, does the governor appoint Barbara Lee? Right, and what does he do? And I don't know that. And his answer was brilliant because he's very good. His answer was, "I hope to not make that decision." If he did appoint Barbara Lee, would that or didn't? Would that what would be better for him? Um, he has promised uh, basically to have a, an African American uh, uh, senator, and so. I don't know how – I don't know – look, if he's going to run for president, he's going to have to uh, have some African-American vote in the South, et cetera, right? And so I think it would probably be better for him to appoint her. Yeah. All right. Finally, big picture heading into 24 here in California. You said you, you're working on ballot measure campaigns, initiatives. What should we be looking for? What are what am I going to get targeted <laughs> with in a, in a year or so when we talk about ballot measures? Anything on the docket that you see as big? Yes, yes. So uh, um, I think gambling's definitely coming back. Oh gosh, gaming, really? Sports gaming. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's uh, there was an enormous amount of money spent here last time. And this, when I leave here, I'm I'm, I'm leaving here tomorrow. I'm going to Louisiana, then D.C., then to Montana, and you can legally bet on sports in all three of those places, right? I, I don't know how many states. Twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. States. And this is a two and a half billion dollar potential industry uh, market. So that was pocket change. That couple hundred million they just burned last year. It, it, it actually was. Yes, exactly, exactly right. And uh, they're not going to stop until they get it done. All right, you heard it here. Gambling is back on the docket. (laughs) Dane Strother, Democratic consultant, thank you for coming in. Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate you both. And that's it for this edition of Political Breakdown. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineer today is Christopher Beal. Guy Marzarati is our producer. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. See you next time. Bye-bye.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.